everyone, and welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and I just want to take a minute and thank all of you so much for tuning in to our series on Revelation. We have so appreciated having you here, and it's been such an honor just to put this together again and hope that it's been a blessing for you. Today is our last episode. It's chapter 22. We made it. (laughs) It's been a long journey, hasn't it? But again, I just hope that it's been a blessing for you. So I want to start out actually by reading a passage from Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, just to stir up reminder for all of us on why we started this journey to begin with. And it reads as this, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Those were some of the first words we read at the beginning of this series, that we are blessed when we read this letter. And I thought about that, and I really believe that we're blessed for several reasons. At least I know I am. So maybe some of these will resonate with you. Number one, I believe we're blessed because, well, the Lord, he takes us behind the veil and he gives us a picture of himself. He gives us a picture of his angels. He gives us um, imagery of his throne and hope and, and imagery of a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, that there is a realm beyond the view of the natural eye that is active and powerful and at the service of our King, Jesus. I know we're blessed because he sits completely undisturbed upon his throne I know we are blessed to read that the Lord defeats all of evil when we look around us and see everything that's happening on a global front. How encouraging to read that the Lord conquers it all. We're blessed to read about how to make ourselves ready. Those seven letters to the churches are such um, an encouragement for believers today on how to prepare ourselves for struggle. We are blessed to read about his care and promises to those who endure and overcome. We are blessed to join a company of believers from every tribe and tongue, from all over the world, from ages past to present, to worship together before the Lamb. I'm telling you, if you don't like worship in a church service, strap in, because it's going to get probably pretty loud and crazy. And I also think we're blessed because we co-rule with Christ. We are co-heirs and co-rule with him. We are blessed. And this letter, this is the only letter in the entire Bible that stirs up and gives us those types of pictures and promises and blessings when we read it. Our whole motivation behind this whole series is to encourage you to read the book. And to also maybe encourage others to read the book so that not just you are blessed, but someone else is blessed as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you, me, others out there, no one is going to have a full understanding of what's playing out here to a T, to perfection, until it actually plays out or the Holy Spirit wants to reveal it in some other way. And so until then, we read this book We maintain hope, we stay prepared, and we stay encouraged. 
because God has entrusted all of the power to close out the end of this age to one person, his son, Jesus. And Jesus loves us, so you can trust him. So let's read chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you don't do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who was unjust... Let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the holy city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come! And let him who hears say, Come! And let him who thirsts Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a beautiful ending. What a beautiful ending. We have come to the end of this book. And you know, something I want to point out is it's the epilogue. Remember, this is a letter. And so just as if you are writing a letter to somebody, he's signing off the letter in this chapter. So there's several reminders of things, just like you would remind someone at the end of a letter. 
But this whole book in and of itself is a prophecy. And remember what prophecy is there for, to build up, to stir up, and to cheer up as prophecy should. And this prophecy, the whole entire thing, points to Jesus Christ from start to finish, just as prophecy should. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10. And so he gives encouragement and exhortations, and he, but he stirs us up by giving warnings. And he says, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And something I just want to point out when I was reading back through that passage, I love, I love how he has his name on the foreheads of his people. I mean, you can see what the enemy was trying to do with the mark of the beast. He was trying to completely counterfeit it and mar people with his own false name and number. I just loved that picture that we are going to have the name of God, a name, his name on our foreheads. It's powerful. It's powerful. Anyway, the whole thing is interesting. And as we've gone through and talked about in different episodes, the different positions people in the church take about revelation, whether it's about tribulation or thousand years or prophecy in general or how they view this book all of it you know at the end of the book it's pretty clear blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book I just think we all need to wrestle through that statement because in my mind I think we want to harbor it we want to ponder it we want to think on things, maybe mold them over with the Holy Spirit. You know, and the question I think so many of us are going to have to ask ourselves is, do you believe this is true? Is this an allegory to you or is it really real? Now, in this ending, in this closing of his letter, I want you to try to notice a couple of things. First of all, the presence of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all mentioned Secondly, there is a strong emphasis that the timing is short. Now, I know in our minds, century has, centuries have passed since this letter has been written. It's been a little over 2,000 years now since Jesus Christ was resurrected and then ascended and since John wrote this letter. And many people have stopped expecting him. They've stopped looking for him. But this letter warns us by Jesus himself. And he does this also in the parables. It's like when he talks about in the parables, when a master has been gone for a while uh, or the owner of whatever has been gone for a while and he leaves his servants in charge, but then he's delayed in his coming, in his coming back. And in his delay, people grow lazy or they grow intolerant. But then when he suddenly and unexpectedly returns and he wants to people to give an account for what they've done with his goods and how they've stewarded them while he's been gone. Well, it doesn't end well for some. And that's why it says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Matthew 24, 45 and 46 May we all be found working for the Lord one day when he suddenly comes.
And so we must maintain a posture of living each day as if the master, Jesus Christ, our Lord, will return soon. And so in the closing of his letter, he keeps reminding them, I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly. He puts an emphasis on the timing of his return. The other interesting takeaway about this epilogue is that it reminds us that, well, people have a choice. We have a choice whether we want to drink from the river of living water or not. And he gives us that choice freely. That's the beauty of Christianity. The Holy Spirit is not going to make anyone do anything. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But the choice is still theirs. Christianity is not forced on anybody. And there's a strong warning here, too, that there will come a day when that will no longer be an option. There's going to come a point where that choice is going to be fixed for us. Again, we know it's the closing of the letter, so he's closing it with reminders, so to speak, so that when people read this letter throughout the ages and they get to the end, they are reminded of all the things mentioned before. Choose today whom you will serve. Otherwise, he who was unjust or vile or filthy, let him be unjust or vile or filthy. But he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. Our destiny, our character will one day be a fixed position for us, friends. Now, switching gears from that, he brings up something interesting. It actually comes up twice, and it's this, that we have access again to the tree of life. The tree of life has returned to the story of God. I love this part. The tree of life is first heard about in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so it became part of the story of Adam and Eve and, of course, the serpent. They and the world was shut, they were shut off from the tree of life because of sin. Gen, uh, Genesis 3, verse 24 says, He drove out the man... And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. But one day this tree is going to reappear, at least to believers. Revelation 22, the first two verses says, it describes how the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. First of all, let me just talk about that water. This water of life, this living water, is going to be flowing in the middle of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. I have no idea what that's going to look like. Is it like a big, massive tree that has all of these other trees attached to its roots along each side of the river? Who knows? But it's going to be a tree of life. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I just love that imagery. It's so powerful. People are always looking for the fountain of youth. They're always trying to figure out how they can live longer and how the world can keep going on as long as possible when all they need is the tree of life. And that's Jesus. 
You know, Ezekiel describes a similar scene in Ezekiel 47 verses 1 through 2. And although he mentions the temple in this passage, some believe he may be seeing, he may be writing or recording uh, this very scene. They're not sure, but I'll read it nonetheless. And what it says in Ezekiel 47, it says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out of the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. So here he's describing a river flowing from the throne of God with many trees alongside of it. It continues. And these trees he's describing, they are taking water eastward to the sea, which many assume is the Dead Sea, because when it reaches there, the waters are healed. In fact, everywhere the river flows, it brings life, abundant life. And so it's the same kind of picture, this tree of life, this water, this water of life, the whole picture of the throne of God, of the new Jerusalem, is a picture of life, because that's who he is. But then also in Revelation 22, 14, this tree comes back in, because it says, blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. One day this is this tree, it's going to be a reality for us. Those who have washed their robes, those of us who have made ourselves ready. We have cleansed ourselves from this world. We are cleansed in the blood of Jesus. We have made ourselves ready through works and other things. And this tree is going to be accessible to us. It's just such an incredible picture. And it kind of goes back to Revelation 21, how he is remaking paradise and the tree of life was sitting right in the middle of paradise. In this chapter, we are told things and the things that we're told to, he says, he says, uh, these are faithful and true. These sayings are faithful and true. And I love that because he is faithful and true. Everything we're reading is faithful and it is true. It will come to pass. And he's closing out this letter by identifying himself as the root and offspring of David and as the bright and morning star. But he's also the faithful and true witness. (laughs) And so when he identifies himself in this way, the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. It's just a reminder. He is a man, yet fully God. And when all heard this and saw everything that was going on, he fell down when Paul heard all this. And when he saw all this, he fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed him these things. Can you just imagine for a moment what John has been taking in up until this point? And then you've got the closing out of all of this. You've got Jesus identifying himself as the faithful and true, the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. You see all of this life. You see all of this redemption. And Paul and John, I probably said Paul earlier, sorry. And John, he hears all this. He sees all this, 
And he falls down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed him these things. But the angel quickly corrected him. See that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant too of your brethren, the prophets. I keep the words of this book too. Worship God. Jesus, who is fully man, the root and offspring of David, he drank the full cup of wrath intended for mankind. He paid the price, not the angels, not anybody else. He paid the price. He triumphed. He's the one we need to fall down before and worship. And as fully God, he is king over all creation, visible and invisible. So he is fully man, fully God. He is sovereign. He is the most high God. He is the bright and morning star. It's such a a way to start to bring the letter to a close. So another warning, though, is still given pertaining to his letter. So even though these beautiful, incredible things are happening, he's still warning even up until the very end. Everything I've written, everything that's here, don't mess with it. Don't add to it. Don't take anything away from it. One of the greatest temptations teachers today have when teaching on Revelation is to add things to it that aren't there. Interpreting outcomes of events, uh, we tend to do that through inference. If it is not clearly stated, we infer from another passage of Scripture. We try to deduce it from other passages of scripture in order to get our own point across if something is not clearly stated. And we need to be so careful of that. We all want to know what things mean, but we must be very careful. If truths are not stated clearly in the scriptures, we have to be very careful not to add to it just in order to give ourselves the answer that we're seeking. And so if anyone adds to this prophecy, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of the prophecy, God shall take his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Let me repeat that. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. That's the second time he's alluded to that in this book. First is when he mentions it in one of the letters to the churches, that a name can be removed or basically scraped out from the book of life. And now again here, and I don't know about you, but it's a pretty serious statement. So this is another strong warning. But on the positive side, before all of that, The letter wraps up with a beautiful and final prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. It's a cry of the spirit and the bride, but it's also spoken again at the very tail end of the letter. Come, Lord Jesus. And this word come is intended in two different ways. First, it's used to announce when it says, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come. That first come is directed to the Lord and indicates that we are to be living in a posture where we are always crying out, 
come, Lord Jesus, or in Aramaic, Maranatha. Or in Matthew 23, 39, when Jesus is speaking to Jerusalem and he says, For I tell you, you will not see me again, Jerusalem, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. So that must become part of our cry, part of our prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. And the second way that that word is used is when the spirit and the bride are coming at crying out to the people. Come. Come, if you are thirsty, say, come. Whoever desires, let him take from the water of life freely. Now, while this letter is in circulation, while people through the ages can still read this letter, come, come to the living water, come to him now. By the time this is fulfilled, it will be too late. So until then, that's still the mission, to cry with the, spirit within us to people, to preach the gospel, to preach it, to herald it, to proclaim the gospel to the world that Jesus saves, that he is the only one who can satisfy their thirst, that he is that fountain of living water. Like the woman at the well, he has the water that will cause them to thirst no more. The Holy Spirit is river of living water and Jesus is that fountain. Our life here, everything we do here, friends, even preaching the gospel as part of our works, everything here prepares us for life with Christ. And so we have to get used to praying, come Lord Jesus, but also preaching, come to Jesus. He is the only hope for a hurting world. You see, we are debtors. We have the answer the world needs to cure it from its own sickness. We are indebted to tell others the answer, to give them the cure, to tell them that Jesus saves and can save them. But we have to go. The Holy Spirit can steer a car better when it's moving, not when it's parked. If you've been parked for a while, it's time to start the engine and put yourself in gear. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You and the Holy Spirit together can go out and cry out, come. And then he ends the letter. Just like we would end a letter sincerely, kind regards, you know, in him, whatever we want to say. He ends it by saying, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. That is such a powerful ending. Jesus testifies to his own letter. And so we have this powerful, powerful image in chapter 22 of this incredible river and water of life. We have the tree of life, the healing of the nations, that we are going to see God face to face, that his name will be on our foreheads, that there will be no night there, that we do not need a lamp or the light of the sun, for God gives us light, and that we will reign, it says, forever and ever. We will reign with him. And these are faithful and true words from the faithful and true witness, and he's coming quickly And we don't need to worship anything or anyone else except him. And we need to hold fast to the words of this prophecy. 
And we need to make sure that we continue to follow his commandments. We need to make sure that our robes are clean and ready so that we can share in the tree of life. And we need to make sure that we understand fully that as the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star, he is fully God, fully man, and the fulfillment of all things. And so, my friends, as he closes out this letter, the very ending says, Amen. That means may it be so. We agree. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And Revelation has ended. I hope this series has blessed you. And I hope you revisit it again soon or revisit the book and be blessed again. Thank you for joining us for the JCM series on Revelation. Take care. Thank you.